Okay, motherfucker! What are you looking at, sir? I'm looking at you, miss. not the Zodiac. And if I was, I certainly wouldn't tell you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute Productions podcast. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and this is a very special one because today I've got two guests who I'm surprising with a minute examination of a film not the film that you expect i have another surprise on another podcast before i introduce my guests the great film stage b-side podcast with connor o'donnell and dan mecca i discovered that i kind of have a sean harris impression a solomon lane maybe from watching too many uh like sean harris movies obviously the stranger but most particularly Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, and Fallout. So before I introduce my guests, which you would have had a little bit of a hint, and if you've read the show notes, you can see who they are already. So just stop. I have to say this to them. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, Drew Taylor and Charles Hood, I wonder, did you ever choose not to? That's right. It's the boys from the official... <laughs> Light the Fuse podcast. How are you, my friends? We've always chosen to accept without <laughs> yeah, any hesitation. Whatever you put in front of us, we accept it. <laughs> yep. That's not even a question. Not even a question. How the hell are you? Besides tired. We're tired. <laughs> We're very tired. <laughs> I like that, that you 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 knew already. Before. I do. Uh, I, yeah. I yeah. know. I mean, you guys have just become official. If you didn't know that, uh, the incredible history of Light the Fuse all the way back, like what is it, 234 episodes, 224, something like that? Yeah, I think when we, you got were... two, we got to 230 something before before we our numbers had to stop. Before your numbers now, stopped. Now, and now yes, you're... and we and we were yes, we we have now uh teamed up with Paramount to create now Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. And uh now our episodes are no longer numbered. Now there's more of a, a a story to each title, I guess. The way I guess I would say it. And now, are you enjoying the titles that I'm coming up with, Blake? Are you I love it. Them? I love it. Okay. And a couple of them I have known are Drews. I go. That's a terrible pun. That no, must like, be Drew. That, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> You're wrong. See, when I see a pun, it's like just, the great Justin Chang from the LA Times. When Justin like has a hilarious pun title, some people like just jump on him, and he you can tell he's just like a sadist. He loves saying it so that people like get into <laughs> his head. And I read these, and I'm like, I love this so much. This is, ex I mean, I'm the one heat minute increment vice like this is my shit you know like i love this <laughs> that's true i'm talking to the master right now. Yeah. i am your absolutely your target audience um also you guys have have gone from just like absolute sort of underground heroes toiling away um being disavowed but you are now officially avowed and i think much like mark Wahlberg in boogie nights you are shining stars you have whipped it out and intimidated all of us movie podcasters with just the murderer's row 
of guests. Um, all obviously Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One related, but holy shamoli, Shay Wiggum, Greg Tarzan Davis, Pom Clementiev. Like, I, I mean, I don't I actually because I'm, you know. I talk to these guys outside of when we're actually live recording. So I know some people that they've already spoken to and heard some episodes. Yes. Uh, so finally, oh, we, Simon, we, finally, properly Simon, which is amazing. Simon, yes. And there's going to be more from Simon. I can say yes. that. And I can also say we've got a, a, a two-part episode coming up with Kittredge, Henry Cerny, which we're really excited oh, about. My God. And we've got Rebecca Ferguson coming soon too. So Unbelievable. And, and more, and more, but we just have, can't talk about them. because And don't worry, Bert. For diehard fans, we'll be back to talking to the gaffers and yes. the production yes. coordinators soon enough. That will never end. Don't you worry. Yeah. We were, we already have some some leads on some people that are exciting to us in terms of like, yeah, below the line people. Like a, there's, we found, came across somebody who does uh, pre is doing previs for part two of Dead Reckoning. Ooh, it's like, oh, that's that. someone we're going to talk to next year after the movie comes out. But uh, and also there's a great one coming up with Lauren Balf, I can say as well that we're oh, gonna, I love Lauren now Balfe. that we're official, we can use the music, the actual music. So when Lauren is talking about different tracks, we're going to be able to play songs. Oh, man. From the score and, and have him. And he, he also he also was at a piano when he when he talked to us. So he was playing the piano to illustrate some of the things he was talking. I about, might die. Really great. Very do not do, if you if you are as hard for this series and their show as I am. Do not drive while you're listening to it. You just just put your feet up at home. Relax. <laughs> don't want to freak out. Um and yeah, look, you guys are doing such a sensational job and I thought it would be so great to come and just celebrate everything you're doing. And like I said, I'm such a fan that I just start talking to people who don't even know exactly like David Kep's impression of Brian De Palma. Thanks to your show, you know, Mission Impossible. <laughs> what are you doing? Mission Impossible. <laughs> um, so, so love you guys. And uh, for everyone uh, who, who's not seeing, I, I do now own the Tom Cruise era's t-shirt uh uh that uh, ethan hunt eras t-shirt um that is unauthorized but is awesome and uh i bought it especially for this show so lads at, by the time we're talking macquarie has done i guess the empire i don't know if it's a podcast i'm just going to call it a retreat a confessional where he just goes and talks for yes. 24 hours with he's, empire he's doing a live one right now with them while we're recording this well, i think he's doing another live I, version with empire as well and, and i also know that after some recent conversations you guys had been told this information and i know that it's probably going to come out on a later episode and you guys have now shared it with me just as we we're running up to it but there was one the juiciest of all juicy what ifs on mission impossible dead reckoning part one which was do we do a flashback yes. to, to 1989 Mission Impossible, like Mission Impossible Zero? Who would direct that? Charles, who would direct that? <laughs> Macquarie said it would be Tony Scott. Uh, the King, King Tony, and who would also star in it? A digitally de-aged Drew one. Uh, that would be none other than uh, Julia Roberts. It, it's part of it's part of Macquarie's whole philosophy of how you do flashbacks in that context, uh, which is very interesting. Um, and maybe we will get him to talk about it, or maybe not. Who's to say? But yes. I think he talked about it in the Empire podcast. So, so um, yeah. today, you guys have gone from being rogue agents to now sort of officially sanctioned spies. So but just like just like Luther at the end of the first movie, I think we're gonna miss being disreputable. 
don't worry, you're still disreputable to me. Now let's <laughs> get let's get disreputable. We're going to go one heat minute classic style. I have the 37th minute of a movie with you to tackle. A movie directed by Tony Scott. A movie okay. that is all about tradecraft and spies. Gentlemen, we're going to watch the 37th minute of Spy Game and we're going to unpack it together. Starring Robert Redford, who I also think could have been a sick recruiter in 89 for a Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt, recruiting Brad Pitt and part of the beginning of their tradecraft. So I thought we could do this together. Take your minds off of current films. Let's get to Tony. <laughs> Let's talk Tony. Let's talk spies. Let's not talk about the hypothetical spy movie that Tony Scott could have made in 1989. And let's actually watch Spy Game. I love this movie. Do you love this movie, Charles? I I think I've seen it maybe only once. This movie, so, Charles, is such I a love Charles Tony. I, mean, movie. I love pretty much every Tony Scott movie I've seen I love. So I, I don't really remember it that well. We're gonna um, well, well, we're going to go classic style here. So I'm going to... For everyone who is now listening, I'm going to flick it over so that the three of us can watch a minute of this thing together. You guys are going to hear it, and then we're going to come back and talk about it. I can probably make arrangements for you to end your tour of duty in San Diego, in which case I'll presume you'll forget we ever had this conversation. But look at your choice. Next day, we started as tradecraft. Technology gets better every day, and that's fine. Most of the time, all you need is a stick of gum, pocket knife, and a smile. That's disappointing. Good morning, my dear. Today, we're going to be discussing a radio set. Not just any radio set, but a Russian radio set. Every building, every room, every situation, a snapshot. I'm sitting here talking to you. I'm also checking the room, memorizing the people, what they're wearing. Then I ask the question, what's wrong with this picture? Anything suspect? You gotta see it, assess it, and dismiss most of it without looking, without thinking. Without thinking. It's just like breathing. You breathe, don't you? Always carry cigarettes in the lighter, too. Gentlemen. That music is so awful. <laughs> that music is awesome. It's awesome. It's so Tony Scott from that period, but oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> If I was imagining a 1989 Mission Impossible Zero with Tony Scott, I would start no further than Spy Game, which that piece of tradecraft, that city, those looks, the high necks, it's, it's a sensational film. And that's just one of my favorite. It's, that sequence goes for much longer. And I know it's the inherent torture of doing a minute by minute podcast is that we don't get to talk much around it before we talk about the thing. But there's a lot. There's a lot in there, gentlemen, that feels very like Christopher McQuarrie didn't need to look far if he was thinking about what the style would be. And I would have loved to seen some hard cuts and some sped, sped up footage and hear some wailing guitar <laughs> and, and people. What about the rewinding, the, the rewinding? The rewinding <laughs> yeah, before yeah. he does the actual physical yeah. rewinding. That's yeah. that was pretty good. Yeah. Yes. So, so good. But it also, I mean, Spy Game is 2001 Tony Scott. And and how different is 2001 Tony Scott from 1989 Tony Scott? Because I would argue he's he evolved quite a bit. Oh, there was a, there was a drastic sort of cinematic evolution. But I'm just talking about, like, when I look at that, the 
the frenetic pace because he still had the pace and the yeah. idea of that particular time, because he's in Eastern Europe, I'm just like, oh, this feels like a great, you know, like it's Eastern Europe. It's three days of the Condor, De Niro, uh, uh, three days of the Condor, Redford kind of style, stylistically. Yeah. It's Brad Pitt with that kind of like weird, there's like two guys in the world that can do that weird, like half long, half short hair and look absolutely <laughs> stunning. And one of them is Tom Cruise look, and the other I is think- Brad Pitt. Pitt's hair is great in this, but it's it's no Cruz hair. Let's it's, let's just. Be, I mean, it's close. You know, if this it's was pre- Ethan Hunt in there, then I think it would look a lot better. Distracting, distractingly beautiful. Brad, yes, Brad, I think Ethan could pull off the mullet better than Brad Pitt does. <laughs> I gotta say. And look, no, but I just I guess what I mean is no, like absolutely, this totally. It's I I see why you picked this. It's amazing. It's such a great scene that is really does feel like this could have been what would be like Ethan Hunt's you know, entry into the IMF in 1989. I just, I guess for me, when I think of Tony Scott here, this is like where he's starting to push towards like domino levels of, or like the BMW short he did, where it's just absolute madness in terms of the cutting. Man on, man on it's fire. It's a much slower cut around the time of Top Gun and Days of Thunder, you know? Yeah, it's it's bigger and it's wilder and it's color graded in a weird way, you know, um, back yeah. then. But it's not, it's not quite man on fire. I'm going to shoot you with six cameras. And then I'm going to shoot and they're all going to have different film stocks and lenses. And so I'm going to then cut like intuitively between that. That's like man on fire, Tony Scott, where he is just feeling it. Our boy, Dan Mandel, just killing the game 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah. How do you hate this music, Drew Taylor? What are you doing? You, you always choose things with incredibly era specific <laughs> i mean come on blake it's one heat minute of course he's gonna of course blake is gonna love the it's like, like this that, that that music doesn't feel like it would be out of, out of step in a in a michael mann movie you know no not no, at all wouldn't. michael no, mann is gonna love it no, has wouldn't. a singularly terrible taste in music <laughs> not, not, at the, not at the beginning not at the beginning you know all, all the tangerine dream and all the anagata de vita you know until the end of time but then then things took a turn. You can't. Uh, you can't say that it's. You can, I. I. I disagree. I, I. You can't even all the way up to two thousand. Like even up to all the way to two thousand and six. The Miami Vice soundtrack is peerless. I'm. Hey. I'm somewhere in between the two of you, where it's like I don't like the music. I would not be listening to this music on my own, but it <laughs> suits the movie. It's like a, it's like these the kind of movies that Michael Mann makes, and in this case also Tony Scott as well, like the like man's man type movie where it's like yeah, this fits the vibe of what we're doing here. Uh, you know, this is the thing about the the tease of a Tony Scott Mission Impossible is, despite the fact that. I think the three of us all love Macquarie. He's so fantastic. He is not a Tony Scott level drip Lord. Now, Tony Scott wearing a vest with no shirt underneath a hat and really high shorts and like chewing on a cigar is the ah. fucking coolest shit of all time. Like forget yes. all other directors. It's like, you know, I remember when Tom Ford, the terrific designer, you know, started making films. Um, Single man is my favorite of his absolutely sensational. And I remember people in set that like, you know, um, Colin Firth particularly was just like, I remember this guy coming and making this movie and every day he's wearing a three piece suit and he just looks immaculate every single day. And he almost looked better than the actors who were in front of him while he was directing them. And I'm like, yeah, you can have your Tom Ford. I want Tony Scott with a vest and like seven (laughs) pens and no shirt. That's the guy I want directing every movie. It's just the coolest shit of all time. Yeah. 
he uh he's like the quintessential image of well he's more like a, like a john ford type <laughs> old school but but to the modern day which is great so charles i can't believe you'd never really seen much of spy game i thought this was a, i've seen a it before but i've i think i've only seen it once I, it's you have to go back to the spreadsheet. Do you have the spreadsheet well, now, open on your computer? Know, like now, now that watching that about... clip made me feel like, oh god, I need to watch this again. I mean, I love, tell I love people... this. I mean, there most of Tony Scott's movies I've seen more than once. This one is not one of them, though. Tell people about the spreadsheet if they don't, if they haven't been long in. Doing I, this I'm mad at Charles for Charles has somewhat moved away from the spreadsheet, and I I have not moved away from the spreadsheet. I still log. So we have a okay. Let's talk about the spreadsheet. We have a, it's now called the moving image log. It used to be called a movie log, but we do put TV stuff in there as well. And it's a, it's a Google uh, sheet where Drew and myself and a few of our other friends put everything that we watch on there. Now this year I was convinced actually Paul Shear came on our podcast earlier this year and he gave me a good sales pitch for why letterbox is great. Cause I was afraid I don't like to rate movies, especially newer ones. I don't, I'm not trying to like, you know, it's it's hard to make movies. It's there are it's, rules. Uh, it's there are very rules. hard to make movies, and so I, I'm like, I don't want to put on there. I my writing partner's on there. I tell him, I'm like, you should not be rating movies on there. It's not a good idea, but he does it anyway, and I hate him for it. So I, I'm like, <laughs> I can't, I can't do that. I don't want to. It's not fair to other filmmakers. It's not, it's not fun to rate movies that way. Also, just put a a, a rating, like a number on them, essentially. You know, so I'm just like, I, I didn't want to do that. But Paul Shear was like. He's like, I don't even use it for that. It's just a good way to log what you're watching and to let people like to to like know what your friends are watching and what everybody's watching, which is partially what our movie log has done. But the thing that I really liked about Letterboxd that was the added thing is that it keeps statistics. Yes. So I can very like I'd have to like do a search in our Google sheet and like manually figure out how many times I watched a movie and count it myself. Now with Letterboxd, it just tells me, oh, you've watched Zodiac 24 times. And it's like, <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, like I, I that's what I like movie... about having Letterboxd. So I use both, Drew. I'm still doing the, the movie. I image feel like log. you are you are really looking for outside approval of your <laughs> your viewing habits. And I one, I don't want you to have any kind of validation. And two, you know, it was there was something pure. You know, we had really something going. You and I specifically, I think that's why it really feels like such a a betrayal. Betrayal. Yeah. yeah. Because... I, okay. So here, here's 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 the, okay, Drew. Just so you know, a hundred percent. There's no shame on the log that you and I have with the spreadsheet. I will put titles in there as I watch them. But I will say because of what you're talking about in terms of getting validation on Letterboxd, when I watch something that I'm not particularly proud of watching i'll wait a few movies later before i put the put it in there in the log so that the most recent movie will be one that people will be more like oh cool he's watching uh you know like he's watching uh some old classic movie rather than uh you know watching your highness again benji the hunted for the ninth time benji, yeah, exactly yeah. oh my god that's so funny so brandis racing really talented uh, writer um, and uh, podcaster. He's guested on our show a couple of times, actually, because he's a young, he's younger than us. Gave me a tutorial, yes. which is. I love, I love him on Twitter. I don't know him personally at all, but I just really love what he's, I follow him on Letterboxd too. I love what he writes about movies. It's really he's, great. He's so good. He's like this. Oh no, sorry. It was uh, actually, it was an, another friend of ours, responsible bot, but it's Br Brandon lives this too, which is you either rate a movie five stars or just put a love heart because there's the love heart like that you like this movie or nothing. 
That's the oh. like that's what the kids do. It's five stars. I noticed or nothing. that ben, I noticed that Ben David Grabinski does that as well. Yeah, he does five awesome. stars for movies or he does no ratings. When I Ben David Grabinski almost ended our friendship when I rated Under Siege 2 two and a half stars. <laughs> that sounds like him. He was so <laughs> mad and he took that rating straight to Twitter and dragged me to hell. It was really good. Oh, dark territory, man. <laughs> Come on. Eric Bogosian just on that train <laughs> causing mischief. We love it. Uh, From talk radio, I was dark like, territory. I That's was my like... Eric Bogosian <laughs> biography title. <laughs> um, but you know, I was like, nah, I'm good. Uh, you know, it's it's fine. But it's really it hits it under siege two really hits with the we, dirt bags. It really hits. And we so needed Die Hard on a train. It. We needed it. Yeah, of course we did. Die hard but wet, hard rain. We needed it, you know? I rewatched Hard Rain recently. What a movie. Let me tell you, what a movie. I've actually never it, seen it. Now it movie. looks like, like it cost like a hundred million dollars. I mean, who it directed didn't. it? Michael, uh, what's his last name? The the DP, um, um who's done a lot of great stuff. I'm looking We it love up DPs now. directing things. Uh uh. Not, so, not uh, yeah, Michael, oh, Michael Salomon. Salomon, Salomon. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. It is that that's the thing. Like, I, I, I can't remember what it was. Like, it was a Twitter thread. It's like, isn't it funny that like a movie in the 90s that you would watch and you would think, oh, this is trash now looks like a Scorsese movie compared to oh, the garbage? Any, like, it, it any, looks yeah, amazing. Any 90s action yeah. movie over literally anything that comes out today. Yeah. Yeah, right, just yeah. they just look it's mind blowing. You watch it, and you're like, oh my god, the care that goes into every shot—it looks gorgeous. I can't believe he 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 shot the abyss, and then he was like, "Yeah, I'll go ahead and direct Hard Rain." Like it just is—it's <laughs> mind blowing to think about. It's like, who, it's, aren't you sick of water? You know, yeah. Michael Sullivan, and it's so. Tired? And I have and, a real thirst for blood, and Hard Rain is really violent, yes. and I really appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. It's it's yeah, Charles. You got to you got to revisit can, that. Drew Drew definitely has a bloodlust. I will back that up. Uh, he is he is not lying. We've we've heard some of his interviews, and he goes for the throat, and I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, hard. I just mean no, but I just mean Drew will appreciate a movie that gets real bloody. He'll appreciate yeah. it. Maybe no, no, no. And that. I and I also appreciate Drew's interviews where someone avoids a question, and Drew goes, "So, oh, so you're avoiding the question? Okay, cool. Uh, let's move on." <laughs> Yes, Drew is relentless. He's a he's a good interviewer that then, way. He won't then, he won't let up. Uh, he won't let, let people off the hook. No, maybe I will now because we have to be kinder and gentler in our new form. <laughs> I no, hope you not. Have it. No, I've never no, you never stop being you. No, you haven't. Yeah, I we have you, to remember I, to hashtag keep Drew weird. I've, I, I, keep Drew, you don't have to worry about that. You do not have to worry about that. The <laughs> oh great the, the greatest junket game of all time. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy or LaGuardia Airport. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, Scrape in the uh, bottom of the barrel on that one. That's fine. No, you That's weren't. You I love that about? you really committed to it, too. That there was, no, I thought that there was going to be some kind of twist on it, maybe that you weren't going to do, but you just literally just went straight for defining LaGuardia Airport <laughs> or Guardians. People could not believe There's probably a 15 minute cut of that video somewhere where people just were <laughs> losing their minds. They could not believe <laughs> My commitment to the bit. Yeah, yeah it was pretty great. Yeah. So I, I'm just like, I put that that clip back on from Spy Game again. So it's like, yeah, they've, he's got the like Tony Scott, like the white flashes and the sped up stuff. And it's just like, yeah, I feel like 
And um, testing testing your heart rate against interrogation. Um, yes. Studying Russian radios, which very dead reckoning. Um, you know, like dead reckoning has dead reckoning has seen all the Russians are the bad guys movies um, uh, of, of that kind of period, early nineties um, all the way, oh, really, you know, all from the bond espionage era, but it's got that kind of feel to it. Um, and just the, the idea that tradecraft, and I know that another movie that we, I think collectively love is um, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. It's that whole, yes. it was, there's some feelings there. And that's one of my favorite things about Skyfall. And I feel like that they've, they're kind of positioning themselves for this with dead reckoning part two is, you know, when you have an AI that can infiltrate all of your technological advantage, what's the one thing that you have to do? You kind of have to go Jason Bourne. You kind of have to go Tinker Taylor. You have to go off the grid, you know, like with bond, you know, here's a, here's a wall for PPK that's coded to your palm print, uh, you know, a nice personal touch when you kill and a, a radio transmitter gun and a radio. I'm like that, when that conversation happens with Q, uh, I'm like, this is everything. Just a guy and a gun and a fucking radio. Let's go. Charles Let's- is not a is not a Skyfall super fan like the the two of us. So no, I think Skyfall's fantastic. I think it's like top ten Bond. I just don't think it's as good as Casino Royale. No, of course, of course. I thank you, Blake. Casino- thank I think you. it's better than Casino I'm sorry. Royale. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. It's almost like, because fuck, I love Martin Campbell. Holy shit. Talk about another fantastic action director who loves death. Um, uh, <laughs> love Martin Campbell. Um, but I would just say that, oh yeah, I'm sorry. I just got distracted on a Martin Campbell thing of going like, how good is like Zorro? Is Zorro the first one? That's The so first fun. one is great. The second one is an absolutely bizarre movie that I only saw in like the last five years. And I yeah. was so baffled by it. Yeah. Yeah, not not for me. Um, no, but- it's about their divorce. <laughs> the two hottest people in the world are talking about their divorce. Why do we want to hear about this or see this? Yeah, no, 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 definitely not, no. definitely not. Um, but yeah, no, I I just, but I also just think that like, Casino Royale just it has Vespa. It's it, it has Vespa. It's 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 got the what I've lovingly called from the moment I saw it, the Whippy McDick scene. Cause I didn't know who Mads Mikkelsen was. And I was like, who's that guy, Whippy McDick? You know, the guy who smashes Bond <laughs> in the dick. Like Mads Mikkelsen. I'm like, Whippy oh, McDick. I love him. Whippy McDick. Yeah. And uh, you can't, it's, it's, it's undefeated. Yeah. It's Casino Royale. It's so good. But that doesn't mean that Skyfall's not great. Yeah. It's, Agreed. It's, 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 it's almost like, you know, it's the thing that your show does so beautifully. It's like, listen, not everyone's favorite Mission Impossible movie as a, as a as this franchise is Mission Impossible 2. But man, tell me a better movie to watch on mute. There isn't. There's not a single one. <laughs> yeah, but you miss you miss uh, Zimmer and Lisa Gerard's amazing score. Well, yes. maybe, maybe a score cut. You know how you can get the, they're starting oh, to do yeah, that with some love isolated music. They don't do that, that anymore. It's so disappointing. The yeah. last one Real- that I the last one that had it that I can remember, I know this might be a weird pull, but it's like I got a 4K of The Last Jedi, and I think there's a Last Jedi. There's like I a cut Fallout. on that. Didn't Fallout have it too? Was that after one? Last Jedi? Does Fallout doesn't, have one? Doesn't Fallout have a Lauren Balfe commentary with isolated music? Oh, yes, you're right. I think oh, he talks right. during the lulls in the score. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one they yeah, need to that do That might be the last da- one. I can't think of one since then. Yeah. They need to do a Tron Legacy 
disc. Oh, with just the music and the images. I mean, I know that there's not that much talking in the movie, but like that would just be the best. On, yeah, honestly. I just want that on I the tell, background all the time. See, what I'm hoping is <clears throat> in Australia, um, we only now have one IMAX official IMAX theater. We've got a lot of like imitators and people that say that they're big and blah, 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 but they're not. They all stink. Um, uh, we have some phenomenal retro houses that play things in 70 mil and it's all, you know, 70 or 35, um, particularly Hayden Orpheum, which I'm a huge fan of. So if anyone is listening, if you're in Australia or in Sydney, that's your number one stop for retro theater in Sydney. Um, but we used to have the biggest IMAX screen in the Southern hemisphere. And I still tell people to this day, my favorite experience ever in Sydney IMAX was Tron legacy 3d IMAX. I Wait, what just, happened to that theater? Well, it got upgraded into a hotel because it's actually in like the prime position in Darling Harbour, like right in the heart of Sydney. And there is an IMAX theater that's opening. They're refreshing it. So part of the deal was if you, if you, kill IMAX you have to build a theater in the hotel structure but it's not opening until November so like where we did the premiere in Sydney was at the International Convention Center which is across the road from where IMAX used to be and the theater that they showed Dead Reckoning where I was lucky enough to sing happy birthday to Tom Cruise um I felt very like we were you know we were harmonizing across uh oceans <laughs> and uh, continents there um when when that when that happened um the ICC is the biggest theater like for people cinema theater that i've been in in sydney in some time like it was there were thousands of people there it was absolutely bedlam it was sensational but the imax is opening across the road and that's what i'm hoping the minute that imax opens they put some retro screenings on and get like tron legacy back in there and they get ghost protocol because that's where i saw the premiere for mission impossible ghost protocol so the when it when you see the burge it's on that enveloping screen and everyone in the, you know, my best friend, Maria, she, she's not great with big IMAX screen. She sometimes gets vertigo. She literally ran out and had a spew and then came back in to watch the rest of Ghost Protocol because it was so intense looking down at that freaking. It, it really was. I still think it's like, I mean, I just saw Oppenheimer and IMAX 70 millimeter, which blew my mind. It was incredibly gorgeous. And there were other ones too, like dark, the dark Knight and, trying to think of other ones that were as impactful i don't I, that's it's not really many it's a very small number that are that big of an impact but ghost protocol still to me i can remember the feeling of when he went out on the the edge of the burj khalifa and like me holding onto the sides of my seat because i was like am i gonna fall <laughs> <laughs> like i don't really remember having that feeling as much there were a couple of moments like that in the dark night i remember too where i was like holy crap the first time i saw that movie Right from that opening shot, it was like that too. But it's it's yeah, it's special. One of my last, one of the last things that IMAX did before they shut was they had a Dark Knight trilogy uh, oh, screening there, and so that's awesome. It was amazing. I made my I made my wife come along and watch that one with me. Actually, it's one of the last times we went and saw a, a movie marathon. And that 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 plane sequence at the beginning of Dark Knight Rises is fucking spellbinding on IMAX. Holy shit. It's amazing. Amazing, amazing stuff. We'll be right back after this quick break. So how are you guys doing at the, at the end of this uh, dead reckoning <laughs> thing? Because like, this is the other thing. The world is, is it been... the end. It just well, feels like the beginning for oh, us. Well, it's for, like a, the... for us, it's, this is not the end. No, no, but, it, but, it, but it just feels like, <clears throat> everyone I know is talking about Barbie and Oppenheimer 
really enjoyed Barbie, really loved Oppenheimer, but I, the movie Same. I'm, I'm dying to see back at the theaters. And it feels like this stupid thing where people are like, I'm either going to Barbie or Oppenheimer. It's like, you know, that there's a fucking old timer of an action movie in the theater also right now that is like losing its screens to all of these other things. It's like, it's, it's, it's absolutely, it's, it's crazy. Like, so what, how, how have you guys been on the wave of like, it's mission, it's this, it's like a couple of the biggest releases in the last couple of years, all c- converging together. Um, how are you guys doing amongst it? Is it crazy? I mean, it's different from obviously last summer when Top Gun Maverick, like, you know, as Spielberg said to Cruz, like, saved the cinema. Like it saved the cinemas because it was like the only thing that was playing in theaters all summer. And now Mission Impossible, which is a good thing. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, that there's the 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 healthy theater going is to ha- there's people going out there and seeing the movie and movies in theaters, which is wonderful. But Mission, it's got an A cinema score and it's got unbelievable reviews like so i'm hoping that it, it will still manage to make a lot of money and stay in because it's it's going to have a longer nothing window else. than most movies there's nothing so I don't know, there's nothing yeah, else coming out it's a it's a complete i don't know you know you guys in a post-american summer in australia between now and kind of october it will be a ghost town like for new new releases it's it's well and, what about ninja turtles well other than ninja turtles i loved i did ninja turtles you, is i did love amazing. how you tag light the use um the other day that yes, was a very good light the ooze did. is coming it's very we have a real. light the it's... ooze segment coming up on the show Love we it. did drew and i moderated the hall h panel at san diego comic-con for teenage mutant turtles mutant mayhem well because it, like it, it, i know it feels like probably oh they're just paramount guys now that's what they do but like it was like drew saw the movie early at annecy the animation festival um in france and he was raving about it and i was like okay uh, you know i haven't really loved anything ninja turtles really since like the 89. first live action movie since i loved the second one when yeah. i was a kid i actually even loved the third one when i was a kid but I've, I've heard it's like absolutely unwatchable and i have not returned to it since i was whatever <laughs> nine years old because i just don't want to ruin the idea of what it was in my head because <laughs> to me i'm like oh it was so cool the turtles travel through time anyway I revisited the first movie and I still think it's fantastic. The live action one with the Jim Henson puppets. It's like magic. It's wonderful. And it's so dark and wet and grimy. And really the, the direction by Steve Barron, I think is really, really wonderful. But um, anyway, I drew tried, took me to a press screening for this movie. And I was like, I don't know about this. And I was blown away. I really think the new movie is fabulous. It's so funny. It's gore. The animation is gorgeous and we're obsessed with it. So because we were so excited about it, they were like, oh, do you guys want to moderate the the panel at Hall H, which was absolutely unreal for me. I'd never been to Comic-Con, so it was all new for me. There is a seasoned veteran of Comic-Con, right, Drew? Yes. The best part of going official is bringing Charles into the <laughs> seedy underbelly of the <laughs> journalism world and forcing him into <laughs> junket scenarios and Comic-Con and saying this, yeah, this is, is what i live with man yeah, drew, is a, <laughs> yeah. drew is a longtime veteran of this all the journalism world with this stuff and i i this is all and and, and in these moments i just imagine it's like the it's like the exchange with the nuclear material at the beginning of fallout like charles is like benji and and drew's like oh it's fine you want yeah, to be no, there. I'm like, <laughs> and, like, and, and here's me in know. the side <clears throat> here's me in the side you want to be in the field tough guy <laughs> That's right. That is what it's like. <laughs> Real no, but, shit. but so, but that's that's what I'm saying. Like I'm, you know, I I took my kids to see um, across the Spider Verse, 
I'm really excited for Ninja Turtles because it's just another thing that I get to take them to. And but I just feel like these big releases, they're kind of going to have some legs. They can't go and see Meg 2, unfortunately. Um, uh, but I will. And it's there doesn't seem to be much. And in Australia, like our release of Asteroid City is way later than yours. So that's been out at theaters, right? Like like oh, Asteroid it's already City. On, it's already streaming or not oh, it's streaming, stre- but it's already on uh POV, PVOD. Yeah. Here. Yeah. yeah. So in, in Oz, um the that's coming out in August. So there's like a couple of things that have been delayed, but there's really not that much left. Yeah, so I think the hope is that Dead Reckoning will will have legs then because it you know because they've insisted on having a long theatrical window for it. So yeah, I, I think I think that those will all happen. But and then we get to this, you know, that in my interview with Chris McQuarrie, um, where I was uh, playing in your yard. Sorry, um, no, uh, it was it was a great interview. I encourage everyone who has not watched it or listened to it to go do it. Do so now. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah. But that was, that was super fun. And the one thing that I got out of that, and I'm sure you guys have got too, like talking to them is like 40% of the movie is done. And now we are literally headlong into a SAG after a strike with the WGA. And it's like, there's only 40% of this thing done. Can we sort this out? So mission can get back underway because we need to see. The yeah. We, we were going to go back on set next month originally. Yeah. Uh, but actually, the SAG strike might be the best thing for the movie because if they went back with the writer's strike going on and they went back to filming with the way these movies are made, the mission they get written on the day. Particular, they get written. They're on the rewriting day. every day. Yes. And so if they couldn't do that, then it would have really potentially negatively impacted the movie and what the movie could be because of the the process that they do that that McCory and Cruz do with these movies. So I think. Sag strike is actually good for mission. Like I will get it say, all sorted out. Let's get everybody, let's get the writers and the actors what they need. Uh, and then and then let's get back to it. It might have a finished script. It might have a finished they do well, have a finished script, yeah. There is a finished script for eight, according to Eric Jenderson, who is the but co-writer. As Char as Charles says, that is just not how they make these movies. They've had scripts before. Yeah, that hasn't they, meant anything to the final meant, movie, and they yeah. they do chuck it out. Yeah, yeah, because they because they you know their whole approach is that it's like a living, breathing organism, and every day something comes up that makes them inspires them in some new way to go down a whole new, you know, path. Like they told us in our interview when we interviewed Cruz and McCory in Rome, uh, they told us about what happened on Fallout when they did Vanessa Kirby's coverage. They like they like they did her side of a conversation with Cruz and it was the first scene they shot with her and she brought this different energy to it than they than they anticipated and they were like oh maybe this character is something completely different than we'd planned and then they were talking about how they have to like put in their minds everything they've filmed was the energy was, was the energy that she's just so unfathomably hot that you're like <laughs> we have to make every scene like a seduction potential seduction scene because she's just... i think they didn't they didn't say exactly what that was but my assumption is that it was like a vanessa redgrave like approach that she had because i don't think that at that point they were planning to have her be max's daughter I, I don't know for sure but i don't know if they were planning that at that point because that was something they added later amazing but i feel like she had that vibe and they were like man this is really amazing what she's doing here let's go down this road and let's change everything that we need to change going forward and adjust some things, you know, before this to make this work. But I think, you... I think I think McCory said that it completely changed the what they had marketed so far for Ethan's character in the movie, even. So I, it, I'm sure it goes even beyond what I'm saying. So but, it's amazing. 
But the difference is I, that unlike those other movies, being a part one, you kind of know what the end. Like, I mean, I know that every movie is its own new thing, but and they have to be self-contained. But it's like right. they they are shooting stuff while they're cutting Dead Reckoning, so they are knowing what's harmonizing between the two films. They're knowing what you know people are reacting to or responding to, both positively and negatively, on the series, and they can kind of like make their adjustments. And the uh, the 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 blessing is that because Macquarie and crews, you know, uh, have all of this other footage stuff that maybe they've, you know, haven't used in other movies and whatever, they can just decide, okay, well, you know, we're going to pivot here. We're going to have flashback, but it's not really a flashback. It's just a scene that they cut from a previous thing. They can, they can tweak and, and, and adjust. And I feel like, um, you know, they might be right that it is the closest because it's like, they've had a whole movie to find what the voice of this new two-parter is going to be. It's fascinating. I mean, it's a totally different thing, obviously, with a two-part movie. But I think in the end, it's still, you know, like when they did part one, they filmed the motorcycle stunt. They've said this now in interviews that they filmed the motorcycle stunt without knowing how exactly it would fit in. Yeah. So like, and I see it when I watch it because you know they did they they're so transparent about these stunts and they you know they you know a year ago they had a whole featurette about making this motorcycle stunt. You see. Like just seeing a little bit of the cracks here, like when you see what Tom Cruise does when he does the stunt, his performance is a little bit different from what his character is doing in that moment. Like when he starts the motorcycle, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if they knew where, how it was playing out in that moment, he probably would have acted it a little bit differently just to say, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but the thing is they've kind of got something really right in all these series, which is like, they've taken ownership of the potential of people frothing a particular stunt. And in this one, the the biggest joy, and this is what you're getting dragged into right now is there's nothing worse in the world than a critic screening. Like there isn't anything worse in the world than when you go see a great movie that you're really excited to see. And there's a whole bunch of stuffy critics because if it doesn't have some punters there who are actually real people, like it can be a really different vibe. Like I remember so many Australian screenings that my best mate Maria and I talk about and so many critics that we know, like you go to a screening and you hear people like laughing and having a good time. And then you read their review and that they shit on the movie and you're like, bitch, I was sitting right next to you. You had a fun time at this thing, <laughs> you know, like have some integrity. Um, But my joy was I watched Dead Reckoning for, for my interview with Macquarie. And then when I saw the big one, the gargantuan screening with the crew and that massive audience, everyone went crazy for that scene. And I remember looking at my wife because she knew that it was coming. She's like, I've seen, you've made me watch that stupid featurette like nine times. <laughs> like uh, she knew it was coming, but it's also like, we knew it was coming. It kind of fits or it doesn't for you, but they seem to have that miracle of like, everyone was anticipating this great shot that's on this poster behind me, you know, like everyone was anticipating that, like going, holy. And even afterwards, some of those videos that went on socials of like Shay and Pom and Tarzan and Haley. Yeah, they're all there. And Simon all watching. Yeah. And, and like, there's nothing cooler than Tarzan's laugh of like, oh my God, Tom Cruise might die. And he just laughs like a, like a fool. It's the coolest thing of all time. So great. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I feel like that's, but with part two, sorry, what I was trying to say about the, about the part one, that stunt in part one is that they didn't know where it was going to go. So even though they do have 40% technically of part two filmed, they still like, they, all, they, they have big stunts filmed for it and they don't know exactly what the emotional pieces are before and after those things, you know? So like, they'll still find those things as they go. That's just what they do. 
So because they're 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 always trying. I mean, I think they have ideas for what it is now, but it just it evolves because they are constantly trying to uh, make the most satisfying thing for an audience. So now that you're here and you're in the bowels of Paramount, are there any big people, i.e., like a JJ, who? you guys are really actively pursuing. Can you give us any hints of like some people that you've like been dying to try and talk to. And now that you're official, um, you're trying to, to, to tee up for us to hear in the future. Is there anything? Well, you can we've, tease? we've always had our, our Mount Rushmore of people who we ha- don't, we haven't talked to yet. So like Colin Atwood, obviously JJ woo, you know, Ving, uh, Ving, 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 Ving for sure. Yeah, Ving, well, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of discounting all the actors at the moment just because they that is an impossibility for the foreseeable future. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we've lost our cool factor and they won't come on because we were just a couple of scrappy <laughs> guys. Now we're inside the mountain. If you, you know, if you look yeah. at the logo, you can actually see Charles and myself on the on the mountain. On the can mountain. I, uh, can I, yeah. Before Drew, when you were saying that you guys were going to go to set, um. There's a scene in Dead Reckoning, this is not a spoiler, where there's a whole bunch of uh, intelligence personnel that are whiling away to take digital records and type them into physical pieces of paper. It's like a gigantic uh, warehouse. And We could have been in that scene. And my friend Stu Coot said, you know what? If Drew and Charles were in that scene in the deep background and that we just had like a framed picture of where they were amongst like 12 people <laughs> on a desk, it would have been like, for us nerds, it would have been the fucking like the trump card of all trump cards and like yes. yeah i i actually don't want you guys to have a speaking role i don't even want to really see your faces i want you to be in like out of focus deep background deep yes. background but i want to see That's i would love I to see that that would be the dream i want well i want to get killed maybe the not admission <laughs> possible because i really want to be squibbed you want to squib. i really now. want like a giant yeah. It's so funny because like actors, they don't want to be squibbed at all. I found out when I did a movie, I did a movie where people, uh, people where a bunch of people get shot. And like, I was like kind of surprised, but then I found out, realized, oh, the squibs really hurt and none of the actors wanted to be squibbed. So we had to have stunt, stunt uh, people be squibbed for all of the people getting shot. But Drew is ready. He wants to be squibbed. (laughs) I want, I want to see Drew riding a motorcycle and Tom Cruise crash into him midair and tackle him. Well, you know what? The, we almost had a cameo of sort. Charles, should we talk about our near, the near Ooh, cameo yeah. associated with us in the movie? Uh, do, do we want to? Because it still might happen. Could happen. <laughs> Let's just say that we put our we've 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 submitted fi- audio files of our dogs to the <laughs> great sound team of these movies, and we're, and we're hoping that they, they will make it, it in. They only just made it into seven, but they Audio didn't. So we're hoping your dogs. Tom, Tom, Tom cut them from seven. <laughs> I'll let you decide which scene they they used to be in, but yeah, I think, I think they're they might still the be tra- there in the background of the train stuff. They are, yeah, I think sounds, they are in the train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my dog has a howl that's that's very interesting sounding that I think they put in as part of the train squeal. They layered, la- they layered it in. We have to get uh, we have to get uh, we had James Mather on on uh, the old version of our show talking about the sound for Rogue Nation and Fallout and Top Gun Maverick, and now we've got to get him back to talk about Dead Reckoning Part One, and we have to grill him 
on where the dogs are and and, and getting them into part eight. Please. There are actual dogs in part two, so maybe yes, they can sub in for the actual dogs. Yeah. Oh, that's there's hope. Fingers crossed. There's an episode that we did with Elliot Koretz on Miami uh, on on one of our Miami Nice shows. Katie Walsh and I did, um, who's the sound designer on both Miami Vice and Collateral. And that great shot in the alleyway of Cruz, like, yo, homie, is that my briefcase? And he shoots. He said that for that first shot, they layer in like in the, like for half a frame, like an explosion, like, uh, like this, like explosion in the background. So that that first gunshot has just that, like, I don't know, like infinitesimal kind of punch that you can't get in the actual gunshot. And he said, I layered it in and Michael really liked it. I remember That's the sound, great. the sound is so distinct. I've heard stories about the sound for heat that we talked to somebody. You remember who it was, Drew? One of the sound guys that we talked to worked on heat and we asked him about that and he described what they did for heat. Do you remember this? No, did they say they were all they all went crazy and that's that was the key to Yes. Oh, it was uh Mark Stockinger, who okay. we talked to him for both he because we did a, a miniseries on John Wick. So he he did he was supervising sound editor on Mission Impossible 2. Mission Impossible 3, John Wick, and John Wick 2, and John Wick 3. And so we had him on the wow. show. In part two of our episode, we did end up talking to him about the, sh- the the shootout in downtown Los Angeles in Heat. And he talks about it in that. But I remember, yeah, that's a, I, I love hearing those stories about them firing real guns into cars and stuff and recording the sound of it and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, all the onset sound, all the on, all, all the all the sound that was recorded on the day is what's basically in heat because they were trying to recreate it with sound effects. And it's like, this isn't what it sounded like. It doesn't have any, the, you know, the reverberance of like all the buildings and the concrete, yeah. and the, the, the cavernous sound of that, the street fire. It's amazing. That's yeah. a, that's a, that's one that if you're watching it late at night at home and you want to scare the living daylights out of your family and make them feel like there's a terrorist invasion in your lounge room, just leave it on <laughs> and not manage the sound. I mean, I don't know anyone who would have done I actually, that. Like I did. I times. did fall asleep to Heat the other night. I'll just when I'm sleeping on the couch. When I fall asleep on the couch, I just like put on a movie that I know I'm gonna fall asleep to. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna put on Heat and I'm gonna fall asleep to that. Lethal Weapon, bit. Last Boy Scout, <laughs> you name it. Those are the kind of movies they go on. Drew could have died in the last. Drew could have died in the Last Boy Scout. I feel like Tony Scott killing you in that would have been you. you I would have loved that. Yeah, Friday yeah. night is a great night for football, as we all know. <laughs> yes, as we all know. God, I love that movie. I feel like a there's on one of the versions of the soundtrack. There's like a two and a half minute version, the full theme music for <laughs> Friday night's a great night for football. But on the on the subject of of Miami Vice, I don't know. Do you guys have the Bear in Australia, the Hulu we, show? We only just got the second season, but I was sent. Okay. I was sent many a meme. Okay. Uh, about the, the password. About the password. Yeah. Yeah. Charles, have Go. you watched the bear yet? I haven't watched the bear. I need to. I hear Charles thinks things. that television is below him, by the way. <laughs> I don't it. think that. I just don't have time in my life to do that. I have two kids and I in, have time in the, to watch read off his. In the Let's rare... just look at what he's watched instead of the bear. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I just want to, but I just bring out my letterbox or the or the log, the movie log that we have, and tell well, me which what one, I've read. Charles, in true, not worth it. In true Drew Taylor style, which one's more honest, Charles? Is it the face you show to the world on letterbox, or is it the spreadsheet? Because <laughs> if it's not the spreadsheet, 
If it doesn't have that level of honesty and candor about what you're watching, I don't want to know. Oh, about I'm it. not hiding any titles from Letterbox. <laughs> the thing about Letterbox, though, is that it, that's the the downside of Letterbox is that it doesn't log TV shows. So the way I log TV is I put full seasons in our in our our movie log that we. It's technically the moving image log because we include television as well. That's I've I've, I've like to stopped putting Letterbox. television on because partially because I feel like Charles is judging me for watching <laughs> television stuff. Oh, you don't put your television stuff. No, because I used to do it episode by episode, which I thought was the only that's we all have different philosophies of how to log. I think that's really the only way to log is Drew is a he's a Soderberghian purist. Yes. And I yes, and I cause... really sometimes I go into other people's this is the real secret shit is that I go into other people's boxes and try to clean it up a little bit because it's such <laughs> I do that too. Some cat. of our friends some of our friends will misspell titles or they'll put the, they won't put the title exactly right and I'll go in and I'll put the right title. <laughs> Hopefully they're not listening to this. <laughs> so, so like right now, my most watched on Letterboxd this year from everything that I've logged, I've watched Mission Impossible Fallout four times, Edge of Tomorrow Good twice, point. Dead Reckoning twice, Jack Reacher twice, and the movie with J-Lo and Owen Wilson, Marry Me twice with my wife because she loves it so much. There are Maybe others that have. I've watched twice. Maybe you should be running like the fuse. All right. I, li- we bring we should bring Blake into the into the spreadsheet. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. If, if yeah, you want to be, if you want that look, evil put on you, Blake, we'd love love to include you on there. Listen, I only want to be harshly judged or gassed up by one person, and that's Drew Taylor. So if <laughs> if I get invited into this, well, thing, don't worry, you will be that for sure. <laughs> because it is weird. Because you guys did that great. Like, um, it was on the eve of all of the strikes. You guys were watching Mission Impossible One together and had an Instagram live. And here I roll up. And instead of talking about Mission Impossible for the first 10 minutes, Drew's like, so how about those thirst traps in your speedo? <laughs> Just gassed up my Instagram for all the people in the live chat. I was like, oh my God. You probably got like tens of thousands of followers after that. Wanted to see yeah. those speedo shots. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Listen, um, like you're living our dream life. You you do podcasts a lot, but you go to the beach and you enjoy time with your family, whereas Charles and I are just trapped in a oh, dark man. cave. Um, I've, I've had I've had those times, and look, I, I I get I get a little bit of like behind the the behind the magic of you guys working so hard, and I'm just such a huge fan and admirer. And it's you know the the sacrifices you guys have had to make to to make all of this happen and to go official and to like bring us everything you're bringing us. It's just special. So I think this is a good oh, way to stop it. It's a good way to go out. I love you guys. You're so fantastic. Now Drew can no longer say that I've never invited him on the show to not do something uh, like minute <laughs> by minute. Because even I, though like, I, I thought, I thought maybe we would be talking about a minute for mission impossible or something. I thought this was really my time to shine, but no. No, I, brought, I I have to tease. I have to tease it. There's another. There's there's more of us that we can do. It. And I would rather if even though you are official, um, to you know if if you guys can't do it on the main feed anymore, I will happily do another minute from Fallout. Um, I, I there's a there's now there's a Fallout minute. I don't know which one, but like if I didn't do the minute that had Luther going, my oh, man, I don't know what I could do. <laughs> like that's the that makes me cry almost every time. Ving Rhames like king shit of all king shits um but well, yeah we're, we're trying to find ways I, to we want to talk about dead reckoning part one on the show but we don't want to just have an episode where it's just me and drew talking we like to bring people on so we want to bring like our you know our, our favorite we love bilga abiri have him come on the show and talk about the movie but maybe it'd be good who to just interviewed john about, woo by the way 
Uh, well, we'd love to interview John. We're, we're working. No, no. John Woo is at the top no. of our list. Oh, oh you know, Bilga yes, did just interview. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, that interview was fantastic. Uh, I Amazing. Just, I yeah. loved it. Yeah, so we really got to get Woo. But no, but like, maybe you, you could come on and talk about a minute from Dead Reckoning Fire One with us. What'd you so, say, Drew? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think anyone, I don't think this this episode has any business being on the main feed. This, is a, this was an absolute honky-tonk road show <laughs> of an episode and i feel Drew, like Drew, you don't feel worthy you know i don't feel worthy i feel like i did not bring it i feel like i feel like i didn't know the subject material i feel like i could have you know i could have done a tight five on tony's movies i was visiting charles i was actually staying hey, with give, it, give us your tight five right died. now on tony give it tell, tell yeah. us about tony well i just i just think tony is the best i think he's so underrated i think that you know he really I mean, is how many filmmakers have a, a debut movie as good as The Hunger? Like, they give don't. me a break. They don't. And, yeah, and I, it's just like... I, that was a more recent video. Like, I only saw it for the first time, I think, during the pandemic. I think 2020, I saw it for the first time, and I was blown away. I mean, it's like it's the, the level of, like, the, the technical side. It's just like, holy cow. It's amazing. Well, I... This is what I would say is as well. I've been because we do a bit of work with imprint films, like this little sensational boutique um, Blu-ray uh, uh, company in Oz. They've been doing directors' focuses, and like I, th I think the best box set, like DVD Blu-ray box set that I've seen in the last couple of years. They did this thing called collaborations, which was Zhang Yimou um, and Gong Li's collaborations together. Like they did like, I think it was like seven movies in this one sensational box that had essays, all new, like a whole bunch of new features. It was great, but they did a Walter Hill one and they did a Sid Fury one in, in the upcoming month that is just about to be available. And, um, you know, some of the guys uh, on Twitter, like we were using our Twitter powers for good rather than evil for a, for a rare occurrence and going like, we need all the Tony Scott, we need a Tony Scott box set with, all Tony's movies with like commentary tracks, with essays, with, with, with the whole shebang. You really need it all together, especially some of his stuff that's really hard to find these days on like a beautiful 4K or a Blu-ray. It's just like we need all of it together because he's, again, he's been reappraised constantly. He's right on the cusp and he's just fantastic. Like Ridley's been there forever. He feels like a staple, but Tony don't, never gets enough love. Is An imprint is region free, right? It is. It is region free. Yeah. I need to get some of those. You need to. You need to. I need more DVDs in my life. My wife. <laughs> my, my wife is listening to this in the next room and going, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, I'm just now getting right. back into collecting to... more discs. I have. I have. I, 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 Drew kind of helped convince me to get, because I sort of fell into a streaming hole of just like watching no. movies that I own through Voodoo or whatever. And it's like, no, no, no. It looks better on disc. Like it's okay to take a minute out of your life to go get the disc out of the closet. Top Gun 4K. Top Gun 4K. And and I've just recently bought. There's really great um, 4K steel books that have the IMS uh, IMF seal on them that are sold in the UK. They're the UK versions of the 4K um, Mission Impossible's. And and I just recently bought one, five, and six on 4K upgraded with those ones. And I'll go back and I'll go and get um two and three later um but yeah like wait what about four i'm I'll, I'll, i will get four but i this is the thing i'm sorry guys you know to bring the fire four is so great but the last act stinks like it's not Blake, Blake 
Blake, absolutely you're incorrect. Hold on, Blake, you're getting two and three before four. No, I'll get four, but uh, the two, three, okay. four can wait. Okay, okay, one, okay. five, That's six. Okay. okay. Must own. I thought on... you were like putting four like uh, on a no, like, clear no, floor no. in the series. I, I, no, I no, like, it's in, it's, it's in the middle. It's in the middle. Okay, but it's, okay, it's, okay. it's not fine. my. That's fine. It's not uh, the last act. I accept the, that. The, the the first two I acts are sensational, but the last okay. act I'm like. Eh. But even but that that's why even with, when people sometimes downgrade three, I'm like, can't downgrade Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm gonna find her. I'm gonna hurt her. You can't. It's just the greatest. <laughs> he's the fucking king of the villains in the series. Like he's great. I still wish. I still wish that they used him better in the finale. Yeah, but it was end up just being a punch up. You know, you can't always have like, you know, the great Philip Seymour Hoffman scenes. We know it. You know, I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars, but Brand can't watch. You know, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, you know, like it's never going to top that. So you know, I think you're holding a bar too high, Charles. You're holding a bar. I, too I think high. the third act. I think the third act of Ghost Protocol works. I love everything in India. I love the car park. Um, I love how weird it is that he tries to he, you know, kills himself for this the uh, this goal and then has to watch his dying his dying view is watching Ethan Hunt thwart him. I think yes. it's great. Yeah, and it's... I love Tom. I actually and, watched uh, it last night. Driving. Oh, really? Yeah, I watched it last night. I watched it last night. In pre- again, in preparation for the show, I just the last act just doesn't work for me. Like it's so gangbusters all the way up to Dubai. It's like the prison at the beginning, Dean Martin playing. Wow, like unbelievable. But the last act just doesn't. It it goes soft. Whereas like the others, even though like Rogue Nation gets considerably smaller towards the end, Fallout obviously goes gangbusters. Dead Reckoning Part One, absolute lunacy. Um, yeah, like. I, I I just don't love it. I don't love it. It's not my fave. I do love him okay. running through that's Beijing. Okay. Um, you know. I mean, that's the thing that's so great about this series is that uh, everybody has different rankings. There's no consensus of like, this is the best one in the series. There's a different Mission Impossible movie for everybody. There is. Mission Impossible, Monday. <laughs> Drop what you're doing, Mission Impossible. Um, one final thing, and, th- and, and this is a... Uh, uh, like I, I think this is a good spot to end is I am actually going to ask Charles as you do in your show to say this mission, like this, this message will self-destruct in five seconds, but I'm waiting the five seconds before the explosion. Okay. So <laughs> I'm retconning. If there's one bit of feedback, I'm like, Charles, you need to wait the five. Now you got the music, but that's part that, of the joke. It's that, just, just, I say it as quickly as I can and then it explodes. <laughs> <laughs> You're in a rush. He's the new guy. He doesn't you realize know what, how to You know which out. explosion? See, this is the power of being Paramount officials. You know which, what explosion from what movie that is. Did we pick one? Did we end up picking one? Because I remember we ended, we ended up using a library from like, like royalty free sound effects as well. Did we end up picking Oh, really? I of... thought we picked. Are you talking about the fuse at the oh. beginning? The sound effects fuse. Well, we could talk about that. I thought we, yeah. I thought the explosion, I thought because you were like we, we, we now have, have the ability to use clips from the movie. So obviously the beginning of our show now has clips, has quotes from different movies. We, we, we have a quote from each of the six first movies, but then we also have a fuse lighting sound effect, Yes, which is, uh, I think it's mostly from Ghost Protocol, right? Yeah. Light the fuse. Where he actually yes. says light maybe, maybe there's a little bit of three, the match, or one, I mean, sorry, a little bit of the match lighting in one as well, too. But the f- explosion at the end, what's the explosion from, Drew? I thought it was mostly royalty-free stuff. 
Oh, well, I remember listening to many explosions. I thought you were going to say, oh, the explosion is from. <laughs> I listened to some... about, a, I think, I think there were a thousand explosion options that I was listening to from this library. And I got through, I think, 400 or 500 of them. And then I was like, this is fine. <laughs> the one that we have here is fine. I'm actually still not in love with what we what we ended up with, but we didn't have time to make it any better. So it doesn't feel enough like a, like a, like a girthy explosion. It feels more like a fizzle to me. And I'm sort of bummed out about it. But maybe we'll improve it when we have more time. <laughs> you just got to, I mean, there's some, speaking of Tony Scott, there's some great Paramount Tony Scott explosions, surely. Find an, you can find an explosion, get some Tony in there. Drew is Drew tailored like a shirt, as he said. And Charles is Charles Hood with zeros instead of O's. Yes. Their podcast is the official Mission Impossible podcast, Light the Fuse. And they haven't, It's this isn't Dylan Goes Electric. The show is still sensational. It's still weird. It's still, it's still Wait, fun. was it it's, bad when Dylan went electric? This is, yes. this is, this is. <laughs> <laughs> this is Drew, see? without, without Drew. hesitation. Yeah. It was like that, but it had an electric guitar over it. <laughs> yeah. This is why, see, they're still the same gang. Legends, I'm so proud of you. So happy for you. I know how hard you're working. So I hope that that gets easier. But as one of your biggest fans of your show and of you guys as people, thank you so much for coming on to talk nonsense with me. Thanks for participating in a minute. Uh, Drew, hopefully next time I can prepare you. I know that Drew, you're going to probably pop I, up. I on... feel like this was the maybe the worst minute you've ever done. No, it's <laughs> just not. With, just because of us. Never. Just because of us. Never. And, and I know uh, Charles is coming up. He's in the suite of interviews that are coming up for podcaster and commander when I'm um, digging into that as we speak. Uh, yes. I need that in my life. And not for me, you know, not I for my across, interview, but for everybody else. I like, I came across an interesting tidbit that the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise was actually born of master and commander because apparently there was a, that Disney could have bought in because, you know, it was a co-production between, I don't know how many fucking yes. studios on yes. that, but they were given the option to buy into it as well as and be a co-producer. And they ultimately declined. But those conversations about master and commander ultimately said, well, what if we made Pirates of the Caribbean, which was at the time thought of maybe being a direct video or a TV movie into a giant, uh, film that would wow and the rest is history but that's anyway. pretty crazy it's kind of and... impossible to stress how much the pirates of the caribbean idea seemed like a terrible one before that movie came out yeah yeah oh and, yeah and, <laughs> and, and what we need to say is that that's what's wrong with our culture that there are five pirates of the caribbean movies and one master and commander movie that's yep. exactly we need that's exactly what's wrong yeah. uh Gents, you're the best. Thank you so much um, for doing this. Uh, Drew, never change. Uh, Charles, um, <laughs> always you're change. A, you're a, Charles, Keep changing. Charles, I want your unadulted Charles on Letterboxd. I don't want any of this. You know, I watched The Last Boy Scout. For no, the it's all time. there. I just, I just delay. Is Paw Patrol on there? And I'll, I'll, theatrical. I'll, Paw Patrol. <laughs> hey, Paw Patrol's in there. Of course. I got Paw Patrol in there. I think more than once I've vlogged that one because my kids love it. Yeah, I'm my, actually in it. I'm I'm unashamed that the Paw Patrol movie I'm kind of into. Yeah, it's, not it's good. It's better than the show. The show stinks. I always tell yes. my kids, I'm like this. I, I'm like this mayor. He's he needs to go to jail. Someone needs to put him in jail. He's abusing <laughs> small children and puppies. He needs to go to jail. And then finally, well, they, the, the, they the, caught the, him. The animation studio that that did the 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 animation for the Paw Patrol movie did 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. So, oh well, there you go. There you go. That's yeah. why I'm I'm kind of excited about the new movie too. Yes, we well, saw a little. Oh, you saw sizzle. Oh, you saw sizzle. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they've got it. They're going. They're going Tron with it. They've got a lot of neon stuff for their suits and stuff. Yeah, their superhero one. Yeah, I've seen the the dodgy yeah. like uh, TV animation version of that. I think they're just going to blow it up and supersize it, make them some superheroes. But gentlemen, we're not here to talk about Paw Patrol. We're here to talk about Mission Impossible. We're here to talk about <laughs> Tony Scott. You're, you're still trying yeah. to wrap this up for the last I'm twenty still, minutes. I think you probably have still. to go somewhere. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm. I, no, I don't have to go anywhere. I'm trying to wrap the episode up. And now, Charles, you have the job of saying this message oh, okay. will self-destruct, okay. and it's actually going to take five seconds. So we're going to count it out afterwards? No, I'm just yeah. going to know. Okay. Do we okay. also get some Charles? My favorite thing that Charles does now is the, and we'll be back with more from Vanessa Kirby. I, I feel like you do it. You do those more sensually than I do. I, I, I prefer your your read on that. No, I, I think Charles is a we, real. That was an ask from Paramount to make sure that, it's very clear to people that there's more episode to come. So we had to well, put those little those little Drew, messages in there before the ad breaks. Then here we go. Drew, you get to say, and we'll be back with more Drew Taylor on the great Muppet caper. <laughs> the great Henson caper. <laughs> if I am not a part of the Henson one, I will. I won't Are you doing Henson? Be mad. Yes. I so am, we're, I we're, we're doing a show. Ethan Warren and I, after Pod Thomas Anderson, Ethan and I, concocted an idea to do the great Henson caper, which is about the career and life and work of Jim Henson. And you, so, you have to have drew on, you have yeah, to have, drew yeah, on we, that, he's I on. Love, I love Jim Henson, but I know nothing compared he's, to drew, he's so you on. Have to have yeah. drew. It's, it's yeah. okay. He's, I'm ready. He's, he's on. His I happy, want, so. I want to be in the later part. Cause I'm working on a book proposal about the later. In fact, like the last few days of his life. So that is, let me know when you're when you get to that incredibly so, sad section of the podcast. Let so, me know. So you I think Drew should say, be all over it, all eras. Get, you get can, Drew you, in there to talk. You'll you want can, him. You can just say, it, just like the Ethan Hunt eras, he's in all eras. But Drew, you get to say, and we'll be back with more Drew Taylor in the <laughs> okay, Great Henson right, Caper. Ready? All right. We'll be back with more from Drew Taylor on the Great Henson Caper. There you go, Ethan. <laughs> he's signed on. He's ready to go. <laughs> There we go. And now, can you give me one Perfect. more reading that's even more perverted? Like you got to get more sensual. Heart? I get feel more like sensual. you're holding back. Okay. All right. We'll be back with more from Drew Taylor on the Great Henson Caper. You got, you oh, that's, get sexy. In... that's sexy. That's sexy. <laughs> you got to get in real close on the mic and get, make love yeah, to the mic. That's what you got to do. Make love. To... <laughs> All right, Charles. Give us give us your wrap up so we can li- go on with no. our lives. Wait, what do I even say? This uh, <laughs> what do I this, even that, say? You've done two hundred shows. Said it a hundred times. <laughs> it's just this message. Do, I, do we do any different wording, or is it just this no. message will self? Okay, all right, all right, all right. This message will self destruct in five seconds. And it feels like such a 20th century movie. It feels like something David Lean would have done or tried to do uh, when he still had that kind of currency. And even then, he might not have succeeded. It's incredible because, like, if you if you don't have time to watch all five seasons of Lost, you can just watch Fearless. <laughs> not a week goes by that I don't think of the ending of Gallipoli. It's left a mark. A uh, year of living dangerously. 
you know, and then something like Last Wave, even that's so uh, deeply embedded with the land and the story of the land, the story of the place. You know, I don't know that I'd seen very many movies at that point in my life that had such a down ending and they had such a you know sort of strong sense of folklore uh, 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 attached to it as that. And something always so poetic and lyrical about Peter Weir's work. Gallipoli was the first movie that ever traumatized me, and I don't think I ever really recovered from it. <laughs> and I'm still upset that they played it in school. Like, I don't think it's actually possible to make an, they say it's not possible to make an anti-war movie, but I think Peter Weir pulled it off. Because yes. no one watches that movie then thinks, I want to go to war. Uh, Peter Weir is the greatest director that Australia has ever produced. Like, bar none, hands down. Like, no yeah. one else is even in the room. I think you have covered some really titanic filmmakers and some really titanic films so far, but I, I truly think what makes Peter Weir special and what makes you doing this one special is we don't talk about Peter Weir that way, and we should. Peter Weir is one of those guys who I don't get why he isn't a bigger name, why he isn't more in that rarefied air, yes. because I think film for film, he's one of our very best filmmakers. He has brought his A-game repeatedly to many <laughs> properties. There are films of his that I hold very dear. Fearless, uh, you know, uh, The Mosquito Coast. I will fight somebody if they talk bad about The Mosquito Coast. It's, man, I love that movie. But in general, I just think he is a special filmmaker, a smart, lyrical, um, hallucinatory filmmaker. He's a very dreamy filmmaker, and I don't think he gets his due. You know, Master and Commander is one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, you know, it's, it's easily one of the best movies of the last 20 years. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's a grand scale. There's a historical backdrop to it, but at the same time, there's a, such an intimacy in the relationships. Uh, which I think is not just a great film and one of the last great epics in the truest sense. Um, I, I think is actually kind of a sliding doors change point moment. In, in cinema history. I think 2003, when that comes along and it is a an old-fashioned, you know, we don't make them like that anymore type film. I think if Master and Commander spawns a franchise at that point, the entire cinema landscape globally is completely different. That That's the movie that I wanted to see. Ten of those, you know. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I know they're big fans of Fast and Furious and everything, and God bless you, but Master and Commander <laughs> should have been it's one of those things again i i am not uh, i'm not a seafaring man sir <laughs> but there is a sense of authenticity there's a sense of really watching a, a genuine dedication to recreating history unfold on a big screen in front of you that can't help but inspire just genuine admiration and awe if you're gonna pick a film where he really brings every one of his skills to the table it's master and commander i think you picked the right one man yeah, very excited to see what you you pull you pull out of this, Blake. That's right. Our next series is Peter Weir and Russell Crowe's Master and Commander. The series is called Podcaster and Commander.